Working drummer. Now kick it. This is the Working Drummer Podcast, serving up perspectives, experiences, and stories from ground-level working pros. Advice, tips, and secrets on how to build a career in the music business. Hey everyone, Zach Albetta here with another episode of Working Drummer Podcast. Today's interview is with Josh Heffernan, who for quite a while now has been the drummer for the LA-based band Dust Bowl Revival. Uh, This is an eight-piece band that hits a lot of musical bases, including folk, rock, bluegrass, and New Orleans swing. And if that sounds like a good time, it absolutely is. Uh, They were voted best live band in LA Weekly a few years back, and they've only gotten bigger and better since then. They released an album, a live album, in 2015, and have been touring pretty relentlessly on the back of it in North America and Europe, and recently returned from their first trip to China. They were playing a gig here in Atlanta a few weeks ago, and Josh was kind enough to take an hour to talk with me between soundcheck and gig time. This episode of Working Drummer is sponsored by Aquarian Drumheads, makers of the Aquarian Multipurpose Superpad, both a great feeling pad for practice and a responsive drum mute for low volume music making. Every drummer needs to turn down the volume sometime. The Aquarian Superpad can keep the drummer playing all of the time. Check out the Superpad and the full line of Aquarian drumheads and accessories at AquarianDrumheads.com. So Josh and I recorded this interview on the patio of a little coffee shop near the venue they were playing, so you may hear a little outdoor ambiance, but I think it was well worth it to get him on the podcast. He's a really funny and energetic dude, uh, and it was great to hear about his life and times in Dust Bowl Revival. So here we go with Josh Heffernan. Dust Bowl Revival just recently returned from uh, a trip to China. Yeah. Tell me how that came about. Uh, It came about from this guy, Warren, who kind of puts on, you know, like, um, he finds bands and through the kind of the the cultural side of the Chinese government, he books bands, like a cultural exchange. Right. And they'll do it vice versa. They'll bring groups over to the States. Mm -hmm. So we went there for... 25 days. Yeah, it was a pretty long stretch. Yeah, it was it was cool, man. It was uh it it, it was cool. <laughs> I mean, it was it was just it was interesting, you know. Uh I mean, I'll say on the level, the people are phenomenal. Right. Every person I met was like giving, caring, just super into what was going on. Didn't even matter that if they knew you were a musician or not. You know? Right. They were just psyched yeah, to yeah. see you. Um there was some real funny stuff, like basically everywhere we went, it was like, besides like the first, like the shows at the big colleges, uh-huh. it would be like, oh, well, you guys need 18 channels. Well, we have like four on this board and like two on this board <laughs> and like six on this board. <laughs> and they would just like piecemeal boards together to get enough, you know. Oh, wow. And my favorite, my favorite show out of all of them was like, they asked us if, if we wanted to extend a week. And they're like, you're not going to get paid more, but we're going to take it out, like Shaolin Temple and all these extra places. So we were like, you know, of course. Right. So they have us play at this, like, amusement park. But the, <laughs> but, but it wasn't, it was, it was, it was this gigantic stage. Huge. Yeah. And like, where Liz came down on a thing. Right. Like, you know, like, it was all, I mean, a it ramp was, or something? Like, <laughs> no, it was like this, this thing that she held onto was like a, <laughs> You know, like something you see in Vegas where they lift the singer up out, right? And so it's like, so it's maybe like a 30-foot drop into water that, and everybody's around there. And so it's probably 100 yards to the first person, and all they have is three wireless microphones for all of us. Oh, my God. That's all they have. 
Oh my god! Like, it's three no no monitors, three wireless microphones, and we just have to play on this gigantic like Epcot Center style stage. <laughs> it was insane, man. How did that go over? I, it went over. They loved it. <laughs> no, I mean it was just. I mean people dug it, but what are you going to do at right, that point? Right. You just persevere and go. Right. You know. So you went there to play, like you said, colleges. Uh, sort of not not your typical music venues, not clubs. Uh, we did some. Like we did concert, some. I mean, we did venues. some like yeah, like you know, theaters. Uh-huh. Uh, a lot of the theaters were interesting just because they were kind of remnants of you know old yeah communist more like meeting halls uh-huh. that had been converted, so they didn't really have the you know you would hit a snare drum and you'd be like pop <laughs> you know and. But, you know, we made it work. You know, it was cool. Like, yeah. we had a great time. Then the people were awesome. Uh, yeah, the crowds the- in some of the places were just... The, the, the fucking... Sorry, I probably shouldn't swear. No, this. drop it. Uh, the craziest part was, like, when you would get done with the show, you would literally get mauled by people. It was like they're, they're, they're so polite. Right. But once the show ends, it's just like... Bam. I mean, I remember times getting shoved up against the wall and people are, like, taking... Trying to get selfies and you're just like... Wow. Fucking hold on. <laughs> like, wow. One at a time. You next. You right. next. You next, right. you know? And they're just like, it, it was. And was that was that because of their response to your music or the, the fact that you're an American visitor of any sort? Or I mean, I would like to say it was all the music, you know? <laughs> right. But I think it was a combination of both, you know? Yeah. I think people really like that, uh, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, we don't do as much of that old timey stuff anymore, you know? Right. But I think when we do, that's like the, maybe it's something. In the psyche of like that's American music, right? They you know? recognize it, yeah. yeah. And so, uh, yeah. The other thing that I thought was really hilarious about it was they would, uh, uh, they would, we would finish a tune, and you could tell they were amped, and they would just be like, bah! and they would start clapping, and then they would all end together like two and a half seconds later. Whoa! It was literally like, bah! and then just silence, and we'd be sitting on stage <laughs> looking at each other, like, what the hell just happened? Oh. That's so yeah. bizarre, but it was great. You know, they 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 really loved it, and it was it was a good time. It was definitely, a, you know, it, it it was funny at the beginning because they kept going, "Oh, it's going to be a trip of a lifetime. It's going to be a trip of a lifetime." And after a while, you're like, "Please stop saying that. We understand." But really, it was a trip of a lifetime. Yeah. It was wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Dust Bowl had been to Europe before, right? But not yes, not no, Asia? we've never been to Asia before. Cool. Yeah, that was the first time wow. we went last year. We did. Um, like two or three weeks in the Netherlands, and then we went to Norway. Mm-hmm. I think we're going back to like Denmark this year or something. Yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah. So you hail from Seattle. Yes. And how old are you? I'm 38. So you you grew up like in in the sweet spot of grunge. There. I guess you know I was probably in the sweet spot of grunge. I was probably like early middle school. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I I caught on a little later. Okay. At that point, I was really into like Tower of Power and really? Ohio Players and stuff like that. You know, that was like my jam. Yeah, yeah. And so I was like, oh, whatever, popular music. Yeah. You know, I'm into the old stuff, but you know, a few years later, you can't. It's like a virus, man. You can't. Yeah. Yeah. When something's that good and mm-hmm. that popular, you know, if it's crappy and popular, it's easy to totally. walk away from it. But when it's that good, yeah. yeah. So I was definitely on the train. Yeah. And how did that? How did that influence your playing, like as as a teenager? Oh man, you know because uh, the drumming, like the drum, the '90s are a golden age of drumming. Oh, I mean uh, uh, Cameron, yeah, from Soundgarden. I yeah. mean, first, like, I mean, I'm sure that there are so many guys my age or even younger, older, that that was like maybe some of the first odd meter songs they ever got to play, right? Like ever, yeah. And it was like something that you could do, mm-hmm. 
you know, and you're just like, oh my god, this is like a whole new world. Yeah, you know, I've never done anything like this before. Like, you know, and a lot of the times, like when I was first starting, I didn't even know what it was. Mm-hmm. You just like hear it and copy it, but I had no clue if it was seven. Yeah, or, or five. Like I just knew it was in four four. Right, right. You know, and because that's really early. I mean, I started playing when I was just before I was eighteen. Mm-hmm. So you know, it was a. Uh, I played clarinet before that. Really? Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll I made, I made the jump. Out. Oh, we don't. We don't need to talk about that. <laughs> we don't need to talk about that. Well, it's interesting you you mentioned that because I was thinking earlier today. I don't know what made me think of it, but um, there was like a Neil Pert Peart interview article whatever years ago where somebody was asking him about playing odd meters and and he said i don't i don't think about the odd meter i think of the lyric i think of the guitar lick like right. i don't count it i just learn how how that song feels like right. where where that lyric hits or what that you know yeah um i feel like maybe there's 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 two different schools like when i look at it two different ways like with neil i think it was easy for him to do that and you know 100 percent love and props to neil he's an right. amazing drummer yeah but when they played live they did exactly the record all the time yeah it never changed yeah but if you want to play like a herbie hancock tune at seven you need to be able to like sh- like throw down over the top of that totally so you need to know how to learn how to internalize and and figure out your way of doing it, you know, if it's going to be, you know, thinking of, you know, 223 and feeling right. the pulse or just being one of those crazy people like, yeah. you know, Tal Wakenfield who's and, just like, and as, do anything. As we all know, if if we learn the, the Herbie Hancock tunes in 7 and the Rush tunes, like the gigs just come pouring oh, you in. Know. <laughs> well, you know, you know, you know Tal yeah. Wakenfield, so yeah. I went, we went to school together. Really? She's like a good friend, right? Cool. And unfortunately, I haven't seen her in a while. Just, you know, she's crazy busy. But, right. uh, I remember in school she uh she would she just has this like insane ability to play any odd meter with any grouping and any combination. Like to her it's just nothing. Right. And so we used to play together all the time and she would just like wanna oh, what is this? And we play and then she starts like messing it's like something eleven and she starts messing around with the grouping and then she's just like so and then I start soloing, and then right. I get all pissed off, and then I stop, and she's like, <laughs> don't stop. And then she would just, like, forcibly make me just solo and solo uh, while she's, like, playing crazy stuff over this. Yeah. And I'd be like, ah! She's like, keep going. <laughs> I'm like, you're, like, 12 years younger than me, and you're telling me what to do, and I'm just, like, doing it, you right, know? Right, right. But it was great, you know? Yeah. That was, uh, you know, and I studied with Ralph Humphreys, so we really got right, really LA, in depth. L-A-C-M. Yeah. yeah, well, I did, I did like, private instruction with him for maybe year and a half two years right after that so you know we got pretty in depth with that but cool like you said you learn that and the gigs just start rolling <laughs> i mean it was just like i yeah. couldn't yeah I, right. I just couldn't stop just you know saying yes down, to people man <laughs> it, it reminds me of something else my my grad school mentor told us uh he i, I studied in in grad school with bobby watson who mm-hmm. was the alto sax player with the messengers right and, you know went on to do a bunch of shit in his own right but we were talking about odd meter, and and he was like, you know, most most other cultures don't think of odd meter as odd. As odd, yeah, exactly. Because like he's he's like, if you listen to Turkish music, it's all in seven or five or something, but yeah. like they don't think of it as seven. They, to, he said to them, it's two with a kick. Yeah, one, two, hey, one, yeah, two, yeah. hey, one, two, hey. Oh, I like that. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah, yeah, I had some like Greek buddies at this school. I was like, what are you? What is the problem? Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like, what are you, I'm like, laying oh, it down, man. Blown over the top of it. I'm like, what are you? Why, why is this weird to you? Yeah. But so, I mean, Ralph, Ralph would go 
way beyond two with a kick. That oh, was, man, like, he, he, I mean, if you, if you ever wanted a teacher that could go, like, in-depth and then take it to the next level in-depth and go to the next, I mean, he's your, he's your guy. Yeah. Um, but he, you know, he did a really cool thing that I think helped musically, because, you know, like, you know, I love fusion. There's certain kinds that I like and certain kinds that I, like, I, one of the things I don't really care for is is few like we're gonna play in fifteen just because we can play in fifteen right like to me that's just not musical it's just like yeah. you know and so what he would always do is he would when we'd be working on something it was always like and I and when drummers asked me like you know what should I do I'm like you know he would always say like figure out this thing we're doing something in fifteen figure out the intro of the song figure out the verse of the song figure out the chorus figure out the bridge. To where you're thinking of it as a song instead of just being like, I'm going to play in 15 with a shit ton of notes. Right. And try to play fills everywhere. Like, actually make it a song and something that's musical, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, I think, you know, once we get to a certain level, that's a very easy thing to just be like, wow, let the beast out. And totally. Just, you know, see what can happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to, I've, I've before, like, let the beast out, you know, jokingly mm-hmm. let the beast out and then heard the recording and been like, what the hell? <laughs> What the hell was I doing there? Like, why? Why did I do that? It makes zero sense. Yeah, you know. And so, keeping that mindset of of keeping it musical all the time, right? You know, it's right. important to me. Was uh, Ralph and the LA College of Music the reason you came to LA from Seattle? I mean, he, uh, no, no, he was not. Okay. Um, so I, I was actually looking at MI. So I had gotten out of the, the military. I was a musician in the military. That's right. So you, you were in an army band based in, in Washington? Yeah. I, well, I, I left the school. So you have to go to a school. Um, it's in, it's weirdly Little Creek Amphibious Base. So it's a Navy SEAL base. Jesus. And that's where the military school of music is, which is very strange. You would like go outside during break and there'd be like a helicopter with like Navy SEALs hanging from a rope like waving at you. Wow. Yeah, it was strange, but I mean, but they... Like, that was maybe one of the best things that ever happened to me musically because they, man, they they do not let you get away with not learning all of your rudiments, every basic technique from mallets to orchestral to concert to everything. You you better have that stuff. Saw, I mean, not, not just saw it to the next level, you know? Right. And so it was a good basis. So when I left the military, like, you know, you just learn from there. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, uh... So I left there, and I didn't know where I wanted to go to school. I went back to Seattle for a little bit. And I was doing, like, theater work. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my friends who are monster musicians just do, you know, big theater work in Seattle still. Because after the grunge scene, not much happening up there. You right. Know? Which is really a shame because there's so many great bands and musicians up there. But it's just, you know, that's how the industry works sometimes. Yeah. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll go to MI. So I went down to MI and... uh Needless to say, I won't get into details. I wasn't uh, wasn't too into <laughs> what was going on there, you know. Uh, so uh, I had like an extra day, so I went over to at that time LA Music Academy because um, mm. I think they just recently changed, right? Like right, last it year was or it was LA Music Academy, yeah. and they recently rebranded it, and yeah. it's now LA, and so, LA College of Music. Yeah, okay. and it was a few years ago that I think that happened. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I went there and I met Mike Packard, who mm-hmm. I think may be the head. Yep. Of drums there now. He is. Um, so he was, you know, just super cool. It was during finals, but he took the time to come talk to me, mm-hmm. and I listened to the players, and and the other thing was it was a lot smaller because mm-hmm. you know those are the guys that left MI, and it was for lack of a better word they like kind of started a boutique school, right? Where I mean my class, 
I, 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 I moved ahead just because, like, the first half of the school is your basic. And yeah. because of the army I had it, so I was able right. to move up. But it was like, my class was like 15 people. Wow. And, you know, there they hire musicians. At that point in time, they would hire, like, badass professionals to come in and play with you. You never played with students. They still do that. I, I did some of that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so... I decided to go there, and it was a, it was a great experience because I got to. I mean, the people I got to study with were. Yeah. I mean, do you know Tony and Zalaka? No. You should look, man. He, man. <laughs> he's like the, the first time I ever did a class with him. He was like one of the. It was it was Joe Picaro and right. him were the heads of the jazz department. Uh huh. And he kind of took me under his wing. He's a he played with everybody. I mean, he used to like sit. I think he used to like sit in with Buddy Rich's band. I mean, the dude is just he shows up to my lessons with a three piece suit on in the middle of summer. And a briefcase, and then he would like open up his briefcase, and there's like a sheet of music, sticks, and brushes. Wow! He was just a Brooklyn guy, man. right? Right. Old school Brooklyn. He was like the best. <laughs> but this guy, he has his uh, his quintet. Might be a quintet or a sextet, but he writes everything. He's like to me one of the best writers out there right now. And guy, I mean, he's like late seventies, just still. He's still hitting like he's in his mid twenties. Yeah. Just man, he's so good. But him and Ralph, and I mean, the guy I think probably did the most for me. Uh, was Mike Shapiro? Mm-hmm. You know he wasn't a he wasn't a private instructor, but he he uh, he definitely taught me a lot. He yeah. got me into Brazilian, which I had never really done Brazilian, but right, I, I got was... pretty deep into the scene just because he like introduced me to some people, and then when I got better, he kind of like introduced me to more people. Yeah, and... I, I was going to ask you about that because I remember you telling me a while back, like at at the time that you started playing with Dust Bowl, you had been full-time with this Brazilian band. Yeah, well, I would say at that point, I hadn't been with them for, like, two years. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, with everything, sometimes you just get, you know, a little burnt out. Because yeah. we were doing, like, four days a week yeah. at clubs, and it was just like, you know, it's just with everything, when you do something all the time, it's like, oh, I, you know, especially as a drummer, like, one of the great things about being a drummer is playing all these different things, you yeah. know? Yeah. You know, not just being a jazz drummer, not just right. being a Brazilian drummer. We're sluts. Which... Which it's totally true. Tony would get all, would get mad at me, and he's like, "You're a jack of all trades and a master of none." <laughs> like, like, I don't just want to be a jazz drummer, Tony. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I want to drive a really expensive car. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not not a whole lot of guys playing only jazz. That, yeah. That you know, and I mean, truthfully, there's not a, a lot of guys playing only anything. Right. That. That make the bills totally in like right. You you almost have to be into be able to convincingly do three or four different things, right? Um, and I, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I, I I like to think of myself as a, a very good jazz drummer, but yeah. when I hear some of these guys now, I'm like, Are you fucking kidding? Me? I'm like, what? Yeah. What? Yeah. Well, that, like, just killing it. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. There's mm-hmm. like, there's this guy that I, I'm trying to like get together with and take a lesson with, Brian Carter out of New York. He's like mm-hmm. a Juilliard guy. Yeah. They call their crew like the Young Swangers. And yeah. This, dude, this dude. Woo. He might be a Sakai guy, actually. He might, dude. This this dude is killing it. Yeah. Killing it. I mean, just killing it. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Twenty four and just like I, I making have me making me feel bad about myself. Right. I, I I have the same experience once in a while where you know I'll be I'll be feeling good about myself because. You know, I look at kind of the variety of gigs that I do, and it's right. like, oh, look at all these different circles I'm getting calls from. Yeah. And then I'll see someone who has, like, dedicated themselves to one thing and is just slaying it. And I'm like, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's, man, it's, it's, you know, and that was, you know, I mean, as somebody who likes to do a lot of stuff, like, one of the things I learned a long time ago 
is that, you know, luckily when I was young, I got, you know, I had some really great players say, you know, it's like, you know, when, when people would get a, 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 like, learn how to play a samba out of a, a, a book where it wrote out a samba. Right. You know, and, you know, when you hear people play that, you're like, hey, you're not really playing. You know, it's like, <laughs> and it's like, oh, I learned how to play this. You know, what they told me when I was really young was, like, you have a facility, right? As a drummer, you have your technical abilities, your mm-hmm. ears, all these things. Spend most of your time just learning the correct feel. Yeah. Get that feel, man, because every, you know, it's like, you know, a lot of people, you know, it's like the, the swing in Brazilian, the swing in Cuban music. Right, right. Like, you know, and like and get that feel and then everything you have as a ability as a drummer is going to come out. Right. And shine and that will be you. It won't through be. Through that lens. Through, like, exactly. In that, yeah. Like when you just learn grooves, that's not you. That's right. just something you learn out of a book. Right. And so, you know. Hey. Hey, everybody in podcast land. This is Liz B, my singer. Hi. Lay it on him. <laughs> that's all we get. She, she's she's a great singer. Oh, I know. <laughs> um, yeah, and so you know that's what I always try to think about, and you know, and, and a lot of the, a lot of mastering the groove has nothing to do with time spent on the kit. No, it's it's listening. It's yeah, listening think, to the masters of that groove and the great records and the great artists. And, and you know, I think also yes, one hundred percent. And you know, maybe you know, experiencing the culture. Yeah, you know, being around the people, you know. Mm-hmm. That do, I mean, some of the like best lessons like in Brazilian music I ever got was being at like parties full of Brazilians and everybody's just picking up percussion and just slaying, <laughs> slaying it. You're just like, right. oh man, I need to watch what you're doing right now because you are an accountant, but you're killing that instrument right there. Right, just like killing it, you know. Right, and so you know because he's I'm, been doing it since he was born. <laughs> totally. Like it's <laughs> totally, you know, yeah. everybody. Everybody was just killing it, you know, and I do miss it. You know, I don't do it as much. Obviously, with this band, I can't do it. Right. But I still have friends that are just killing it in the scene, you know. Yeah. I was I was going to ask you about that. It, it seems like for a couple years, like, Dust Bowl has, has kind of been on the rise right. in, in a big way, I think, in the last two years. Just Yeah, in, in I would say, yeah, of, like, really, really touring a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so I mean, from, from my perspective, somebody looking at you on Facebook or whatever, it seems like it's all Dust Bowl all the time. Pretty much now it is. And and how do you feel about that? Like, there's... Oh, I mean, I, I have to say, like, the first word, I'm, 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 I'm blessed to be in a band that plays all the time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's a... I think anybody that works that much, and you know, is a blessing and a curse. Like, yeah. You love working all the time, but, I mean, I may be home five months out of the year, mm-hmm. and it's all, you know, spread out between, like, four days at home this time. Right. Two days at home this time. So, you know... Keeping and it's funny because you you spend most of your days at home, taking care of shit that you couldn't take care of when you were on the road. Mm-hmm. So it's just like work, work, work all the time. But you know you have to be happy being able to play in front of great crowds every night. You know? yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I would say I do want to play other stuff, just as a musician, you yeah. know, or as an artist. You want to like do these other things, like and and I every once in a while I'll get to do it, mm-hmm. uh, and it's it's awesome you know it's yeah. awesome just to it's almost like a it's it's almost like refreshing to go do something else and then come back yeah it's like even one gig playing with like a fusion thing right you come back and you're like oh and everything's like <laughs> all these ideas you know like it's you know all these ideas are coming out that you maybe forgot about yeah because the the everyday playing sometimes you forget about stuff you're like 
oh shit, that was a really good lick. Why did I stop doing that? Yeah, you know? yeah. All right, you know. But the, like the flip side of that is 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 the beauty of of going so deep with one group and getting so tight, totally with one group. Oh man, it's you know it's 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 really an exciting time now because we're kind of. Uh, I wouldn't say changing the sound, but it's 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 working, melding instead of doing these different things. You know what I'm mean? like? The yeah. different like we're kind of starting to meld everything together, so we're like creating this this sound now. Yeah, and it's a little bit different, but it's awesome. And and for listeners for listeners who aren't hip to Dust Bowl Revival, first of all, you should be. But second of all, as a band, I think over the years, like you said. You know, a, a Dust Bowl set list is going to have some swing tunes, some New Orleans tunes, some straight up bluegrass right. string band type shit. Right. Uh, you guys, you guys cover a lot of bases, but but you're saying now it's all starting to kind of come together yeah. into a singular. I think that's thing. you know, I think that's a natural, you know, a progression. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. It's it's cool, you know, because before it was it was very this and that, but. You know, you you want to create something that because you want to combine all these elements into one thing. Yeah, and that's where you get like something new and you know, something new. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't think of another word there. No, that, <laughs> new works. But you know, it, that's that's a cool. You know, that's the. It's really exciting right now, and we're doing some pretty awesome stuff. Yeah, I mean, we're starting to work. I think what we're gonna do this summer is try to release like three songs. Yeah. And then start working on a, a new full-length record after that. Cool, cool. So, we, Go ahead. No, no, please. Well, I want to talk about your your last full-length record, okay. which was released what a year ago. Yeah, I would say about yeah. Yeah, that's with the lampshade on. Yes. Um, and it, it's an interesting an interesting way that this record came together because it's part studio and part live. Right. And even the live stuff is is broken up between two different concerts at two different venues. Yeah. So. What, how did how did it uh, how did this record come to be the the way it was made? Well, I what the I'm trying to think the record before that we had done at the studio in LA and it was kind of like people could come in when they can you know at that point we weren't working we were working a lot but it's not anything like it was now mm-hmm. so people were doing some other stuff and we would come in and this is you know years ago mm-hmm. that that last record before Lampshade came out and so we uh, I thought it would be cool just because one of our strong points is live shows yeah and so i was like hey let's let's find a spot and let's record everything live let's capture this live sound and so one of my good friends in new york um hit me to this guy uh matt marinelli who does like Nora jones's stuff Mm -hmm. and all that stuff and he's got this studio where his like special you know what he specializes in is like he's like the neve guy he has all the old neve boards he's got like all the beautiful old ribbon mics like we record on those old RCA like giant RCA ribbon mics yeah and so we went in there and we just spent we just got a day we had a day off in New York I'm like we could we could record a whole album so we just did a couple takes of everything and then we thought it would be cool to uh, we have a friend this guy Alex Chaloff who does you know he records all the big jazz artists and stuff so mm-hmm. he was a friend of ours so we asked him if he'd be willing you know obviously hire him to record us live so we did the great american music hall in san francisco and then the troubadour and uh, we just kind of decided to pick the best out of all of those yeah and it just so happened i think there's two two of the new york session i think lampshade is the new york session right and then the ballad of the bellhop oh so there's three i think it's ballad of the bell maybe not ballad of the bellhop 
I'm, I'm failing right now with my own album. <laughs> um, you played a lot of shows since Yeah, then. yeah, no doubt. <laughs> uh, no, the one we did, the Dick Van Dyke thing. Uh, God, what the... Oh, um... I can't uh, even think of my own song. If I wasn't... Yeah, 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 never had to go. Never had to I go. I think that one. Yeah, and then, yeah. so those two, well, those three, I think, made it on as the studio versions, and then we did uh, The Rest Alive, which was great, you know? And I think this record, we want to do more, like, an act, you know... You know, not just like actually like add upon it and, you know, try to try to do like an old school record where, you know, I think, you know, some records now people kind of look at it like, oh, well, it's going to be on, you know, uh, iTunes. Right. So, you know, people are just going to buy a song at a time. Right. So a lot of times I think people just put these are our 15 best songs instead of creating like a landscape. Yeah. Yeah. And so like what we really want to do now is create like a a full landscape album that mm-hmm. does something, you know, a little bit more than just throw a bunch of tunes that, you know, and hopefully, you know, we want people to listen to it front to back. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. And I mean, that being said, you know, what you did with uh lampshade, just throwing a bunch of tunes together and, and uh, like worked well, great. And I'm sure there was right, some we, we thought a lot. Yeah, definitely. About, uh, but, but, um, just the, it, it seemed like a, um, uh, just kind of mishmash of songs in the best possible right, sense, right. and it's what you were talking about earlier about like you know s- sort of different styles. Like for for this song, we're gonna hit this bass, and for right. that next song, right. we're gonna do more of this thing. Right, um, and it worked really beautifully, uh, despite the fact that it was recorded at three different places at three different times. Yeah, um, we lucked out that it, it didn't. That was one of the big fears was. Is this studio session going to sound so far off of this live recording that it's just going to be weird? Yeah. And luckily, it didn't. Yeah. Didn't. Uh, yeah. Didn't turn out that way. But we're real proud of that record. And yeah. Seems to be doing well. It is. Yeah. I think so. Speaking of old school stuff, uh, Dust, Dust Bowl definitely has like a, a vintage feel. I think right. it's fair to say, mm-hmm. um, without being a museum piece, right? You know, um, but I uh, I interviewed a, another LA drummer, Willie McNeil, who who okay. does a lot of lot of vintage another stuff. Another person I don't. Know. I know, I know. Man, I need to make it's, a list here. <laughs> it would be a long list yeah, of guys we no don't doubt. know. Um, but uh, I asked him, like, what to what do you attribute the kind of recent resurgence in in vintage stuff? And his his first answer was, well, because all of the new stuff sucks. Right, uh, <laughs> which is true, but right. but do you do you think it's more than that? Do you think what- I do? Um, man, I don't know. You know, I think I think it's a lot of things. I think it's the the songwriting, mm-hmm. and that's actually one of the cool. You look at like the old vintage, like in the '90s, that kickoff. We had like Big Bad Voodoo Daddy and and Royal Cran Rude. They were doing the swing. I mean, it's right, and that you know. That kind of pretty fast mm-hmm. came in and came out, but I think one of the things that's made this and it's you know it's changing now it's changing like you still have the vintage kind of sound, but everything's melding. It's kind of melding into the next. Like it's not it's what I see. It's not as big as it was the last like three years. Mm-hmm. But I think I think the biggest thing is these bands that are coming out doing it. Like the songwriting is, I mean, so above par. I mean, yeah. it's amazing. It's like really great artists are taking this genre or these different old genres and really like it, and instead of just using that genre as the catalyst to get sold yeah they're using that genre because they like it and they're just writing awesome tunes you know? yeah and so that and i think people are you know kind of hungry for that analog sound again yeah that warmth yeah yeah you know we're mm-hmm. you know 
that warmth is kind of gone. Even though, you know, you don't technically, I guess, need tape to make it warm anymore. Right. But, but it's that just sound the, it's is gone. The, and it's the feeling of something handmade. Totally. You know, yeah. and I think it's it's not just happening in music. It's happening in food and, and clothing and, like, all sorts of yeah, shit. There's, yeah. a, there's a craving for, uh-huh. for just sort of down-to-earth, made-by-humans. Yeah, it's kind, kind of, of a cool time to live, isn't it? Yeah. Like, everything's reverting back. We're, we're the kind of fighting the system a little bit. It's pretty awesome. Right, and at the same time, we're sitting outside at a coffee shop with a laptop that weighs <laughs> half a pound. <laughs> and, and a sweet silver <laughs> microphone. Is it silver? I, yeah. I know. It's, I know, it's like, it's like sh- shimmery. It's, like, it's really nice. Um, but you're right. You know, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of cool to see that happening because, you know, when we grew up, like or when you know I was young and I see like bands like Pearl Jam, this whole grunge scene that I saw, and these guys were living living the you know deep I mean quote unquote rock star dream. You know they're right. they're getting the money, they're getting to travel, they're getting like these things that when you're a young musician you're like oh my god this would be like amazing and that is gone. Mm-hmm. That is just gone. I mean like you know what was it like you used to put out an album. Like you would tour to promote your album, right? Now you put it out, put out an album to promote your tour, right? Because you didn't don't make money off albums, yeah. And yeah. I mean, it's a good and bad thing because for for um, like, not spectator audiences, there, there's the right word. <laughs> <laughs> for audiences, it's great because there's been kind of this resurgence of live music mm-hmm. because every band that's how you make. I mean, there's like it's amazing how many festivals are happening. It's right. just like. You, you're like, oh, we're playing this festival on Thursday. I've never heard of this festival. And you show up, and there's like fifty thousand people. And you're like, what the hell? Right. You know, it's awesome. I mean, yeah. it's great for it's great for us. It's great for them. I mean, it would be nice to get back to the days where there's a balance. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I'm I'm ambivalent about it as well because on on the one hand, you know, it it, it used to be that guys were making money literally in their sleep. Right. You know, they would do one session and get paid for it for the rest of their lives. Yeah. And that doesn't happen anymore. But at the same time, the the market for for the reason we wanted to do this in the first place right. is is way bigger. Um and it just it seems like a little bit more of an honest living. Totally, <laughs> you know. You know? Like You're, you, I mean we're really you know, it's it's funny when, you know, I mean it's, you don't come across them a lot, but you know, there's people out there that just kind of like kind of don't really look kindly upon the 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 uh job of being a musician. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of people don't really understand how much work mm-hmm. is involved. I mean, not only just the business side, but I mean, we're going to be practicing until the day we die and we're still never going to learn everything. Right. You know, it's right. a never ending thing. And you know, that's, I mean, when it really comes down to it for me, like obviously you want to have a house and you want to be able to live and be comfortable, but it's really about the art. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what really makes, I mean, most people, that's what really makes us happy. Yeah. We just want to play music that makes us happy and that we feel like we can artistically add to it, right? And, and it makes other people happy. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's nothing better than making a crowd dance. <laughs> there's nothing better than that. Yeah. You know, you get you get to play funk all the time. Though. Oh yeah, I'm, man. I'm pretty jealous, man. <laughs> pretty yeah. jealous. I'll tell you what. It's 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 a good time. Um, and I like it. It sounds like we've we've both kind of uh, gone through the same um, progression mentally about about how we think of different kinds of music because you were talking about fusion and, mm-hmm. and all this all this other stuff I played exclusively jazz mm-hmm. uh, in, in Kansas City for a long time nice. and and was really artistically minded but right. but the you know the older I get the more value I'm seeing in, in the entertainment of music totally. and making people dance and, yeah. and sending them off you know with a good time um, 
I remember yeah. back in the day, people would be like, are you having a good time? I'm like, I'm having a great time. And then I'd look at my face in a picture and go, <laughs> oh, man, I have like a total bitch fit, man. Like, I, just, I don't know why. I'm totally having a great time. So, yeah. you know, it's, you know. Totally. Get that smile on your face. Make sure you know. Yeah. Oh, I played yeah. at Disneyland. I know all about the. <laughs> I know all about the smiling. You know my. You know my roommate, Nate Kentner. Yeah. Yeah. yeah one I of played my, with one him. of my great buddies, man. Yeah. Yeah. A, I, in, the, in the played he's... with him in the Royal Street Bachelors and the oh, yeah? and the Jambalaya Jazz Band. Oh, I know the Jambalaya. Yeah. It's yeah. Great, yeah. Nate's a great guy, and he was on the record too, right? Yeah. He came and did the Troubadour show with us. Cool. cool. Nasty down on a little. Uh, Ain't my fault, Stella. Yeah, like that. That, <laughs> was, dude, that dude's a player. It was filthy. Yeah. That dude's a player. It was great. Sure. Before we started recording, you were you were talking about like the the hustle of LA and being a freelancer, not just in LA, but but being a freelancer in general. Right. Um, and and you said you know you're pretty much just playing in one band now, but but it's it's not like you don't hustle. So yeah. so talk about the the hustle of being a freelancer versus the hustle of of being in a band and being married to to that well, thing. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's really not that crazy different. I mean. I think, you know, as a freelance guy, you know, you spend a lot of time out meeting new people, which, you know, we do even now anyway. Right. You know, that's just good to do. Um, but it's like, you know, it's like I, I see my some of my friends that are still doing this and they have, oh, I have, you know, regular gigs every Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday and then suddenly they're all gone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, man, that's tough. People don't be like realize you know it's like you save money and it's like oh do you as a musician you want to your girlfriend goes you want to go on a vacation you're like i don't think i can do that yeah, you know I would oh well you have to. the money but you're <laughs> like i don't know if in two months i'll have this money yeah, you know? it yeah. becomes a, a difficult thing you know and uh and it's you know i've seen it's just a constant you know with the band you know i always joke that the uh it's like you know the dream the, the teamwork makes the dream work you mm-hmm. have i have seven other people with me all working for the same goal right and so having that web of people you know as a freelancer you're normally just working by yourself yeah you may have some buddies that you know or musical directors you work for that will recommend you or use you all the time which is fantastic right um but as you know having a band you're all working for the same goal and everybody you know the good thing is you know it's a band of very intelligent people so everybody can do these jobs that you may have to hire people for and it gets done um but you know, it's like it's not just the hard work. It's it's the luck or the. Yeah. It's always some person going. We want you in this festival, you right. know, or this and that. You know, it's right like, place, right time, shit. Totally, yeah. and then you know that's that's definitely a thing. Yeah. Uh, how what what are the what are the how are the jobs divided up in, in Dust Bowl? Like, is so and so in charge of this, and so and so is in charge kinda, of that? You know, and, we have, um, you know, like Daniel will do like. He'll do sound stuff. He's like the guy that gets, you know, tossed to the sound people. Mm-hmm. I kind of do like the demoing now, recording and demoing stuff or um, kind of that thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have like Matt will do like tour managing stuff. Liz just does everything because she's awesome and she's Liz and <laughs> she's like the best multitasker I've ever met in my life. Right. Zach, you know, has taken less of a thing, but I mean, the, you know, the guy did so much work. Yeah. But he still does. I mean, he still like does the lion's share. Like him and Liz do the lion's share. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like Connor does all the BMI, all the you know, all that kind of stuff. So we we try to you know spread it out, and you know just have like monthly meetings where we get together and make yeah. sure everything's rolling. Yeah. Do you guys uh, have a manager or an mm-hmm. agent? Or we have we have like a booking agent. Okay. Uh, um, Virginia Prater. She's out of Knoxville. She's awesome. Cool. Yeah. 
Uh, if anybody ever wants their band to work their butts off, <laughs> Prater Day. <laughs> Go to Prater Day. All right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty well oiled. You know, I you know I think the ultimate goal is to not have to do those jobs anymore. We mm-hmm. get big enough to where we have to hire people to do those jobs. I right. mean, that's something that. But you know, what is that? What does that even mean, right? Yeah. Like, what does that next level mean? Mm-hmm. Nobody, you don't even really know what if if that will happen, when it will happen, what that is. Yeah. So it's just like you spend a lot of time preparing for something that may happen that you don't really know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like we think it could be this, right? So we're gonna prepare for this, and in the meantime, let's just play the show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, but it's like. You know, having lawyers write up all these things and this and yeah, that. Man. You know, and it's good. I mean, it's smart to do because everybody is protected. You know, no matter what, like we're we're protected from managers and lawyers, blah blah blah. You know, you you do this, but it's all in in preparation for the hope of that next step, right? You know? And it's looking really good. Good. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So so right now you're in the middle of a swing down like down the East Coast and and through we're in Atlanta right now and then up through Nashville. We do Nashville. We do Music City Roots tomorrow. Oh cool! And then which I just found out Keb Mo is nice. That's gonna be pretty awesome. Very cool. Um, and then we do Houston. Mm-hmm. And I think we. Do, hold on! Don't don't <laughs> tell everybody I'm looking at my phone because I don't know. What I'm doing. <laughs> it's tough, man. Sometimes you just like. It's like, oh, there's another dot. Right. Uh, Lafayette. Just get in the van and go. Uh, Fort Collins. And then uh, Old Settler, Settlers Music Festival. Where's that? Just outside of Austin. It's in a place called Driftwood, Texas. <laughs> Apparently it's huge. I mean, <laughs> wow. I hate to be that jerk that's like I've never heard of it, but I've never heard of it. Well, like you said, there's so many festivals now, man. Yeah. It's just, it's blowing I mean, up. we're just happy we're playing it. I mean, yeah. it's great, you know. And it's funny, since I've been here in Atlanta, like... You know, it get, it gets cold during the winter. It doesn't mm-hmm. really snow, but it, it you know right. you, you don't really want to be outside. But s- starting in like late February or March, the weather gets nice, and I swear to God, there's a festival every weekend. Is there? Yeah, it's it's just like the beer festival and the crab festival and the oyster thing and the jazz thing and the you know it's every That's weekend awesome. there's something there's something going on. I'm and sure it's, there's there, a ton of work. Yeah, there's music. At, there's music at all of it. That's it's, awesome. It's man. really cool. We need to come. We were here last. We're here in like June or something, June, July. Okay. Sometime last last year during the summer, and it was pretty, pretty hot. Yeah. Yeah. It I'm, was pretty hot. I'm uh, I'm I'm waiting for it. It's as you can tell, I'm not built for hot weather. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a temperate climate kind of guy. You know? uh, yeah. I mean, it's, but it's beautiful down here. I love coming down. Like, yeah. The, the people are really great. And, it is. Yeah. It is very cool. Oh, I wanted to. Um, ask you about your your kit, okay? Um, because you know the same the same the same way Dust Bowl is sort of an amalgam of right. a bunch of different shit. Uh, your kit, in a few different little ways, mm-hmm. is you know is combining the New Orleans thing and the the bluegrass thing. Um, even and that's another thing I wanted to ask you. There aren't really drums in bluegrass <laughs> traditionally. Yeah, I, um, I kind of always play. Which is like a horrible thing to admit, but I kind of always play the the train beat. Yeah. And I'll put like different accents, I'll accent with my you know, my kick and stuff. But in the in the, the bluegrass when I say bluegrass players, like the fiddle and the mandolin are always mm-hmm. like, Oh, you should we should work out something different and I'm like, Cool, what? 
<laughs> I have yeah. no clue. Like, yeah. I am 100% stumped. Right. With what else am I, what else am I going to play? Well, it's a, if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of right, thing. Right, right. Like, what like, is going to work better than, you Totally. Know. And, you know, it's like, once again, you know, like, I tell them, and, and it's just about the song. Mm-hmm. Like, really, at that point, they're they're the, the, the featured right. people. And so my job is to just... Lay down the bass Give them a couch and let to them sit go. On. Exactly. Right. And I was I was gonna say, like, you know, some of the some of the songs are really carried by the by the fiddle and the mandolin. Some of the songs are really carried by the horns mm-hmm. for a more more New Orleans thing. But I think in, in either case your your role is to just like frame that right. in the appropriate way. Well it's you know, I kind of look at it I think last time we talked I said I kind of look at it like it as a big band. Yeah. Because it's an eight person band and I'm dealing with horns and strings and so you know it's like you know setting up stuff for them and this and that but really it's just you know keeping them in check (laughs) 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 you know it's it's but it's great you know I mean like that's one of the other things I really enjoy about the band is the ability to play with such a big band right you know, not yeah. many people get to play with that big of a band every night, which and is not, a lot. And not many bands travel, like eight-piece bands, Man, you know, Tony, even even if they're eight pieces at home, you know, they'll take four or five on the road or something, yeah, but you we, guys... We go all out, let me tell you. We <laughs> I love it. all out, yeah. I love it, man. Yeah. Um, so talk talk a little bit about the, the instrumentation of your of your kit and the voices you like to use for, for various things. I've kind of walked, honestly, I mean, it's, it's funny you ask, I've kind of walked away from using any of those old-timey like a ton of cowbells or like a spot, you know, right? Because I felt like it kind of made it a little museum piecey, mm, yeah. and so I kind of decided like I'm more of a quote unquote like modern player. Like you know, I grew up playing like the old stuff, but I think it gives it a cool contrast. Mm-hmm. So my kit's more, you know, now it's just a, a ride, a crash. I do have a splash just because they're fun to hit. Yeah, there's some tunes that they sound good on, you know. Right, right, and just. Hi hats. I still use those little twelve inches. Yeah, man. I've been debating. What do you think? I've been debating going to fifteens, going bigger. Mm. I actually used on a, a, a track we did. I used seventeens. Wow. Man, For which track? It, we have. It was oh, a, a demo. A demo thing. Just because we recorded in my house, and I was like, I'm gonna play on seventeens today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. That would be that would be cool, man. Those those little twelve, those yeah. little twelve inch hats sound really good. But but I think I'm already thinking of a couple tunes where like a, a big beefy pair of hats yeah. would just like and the stuff I, mean, I think we'll play a lot of it I think I think I think it'll work really good on some of those things yeah just because you know I'm, I'm trying to go away from that yeah which we never really did that but those were elements that it alluded could be put, to that right yeah and I always wanted to try to make it more modern but not be you know like you know you know how you hear like some of those like hip-hop where they put the old timey right. stuff, and then they put like more modern right. grooves. I just wanted it to sound like it was a modern drummer. Mm-hmm. That sounds silly when I say modern drummer. <laughs> <laughs> Playing it like that, you know. And I'm trying. I don't to... think they'll sue you or anything. No, no. Like... Please don't. Yeah. Free subscription. No, I'm <laughs> um, and I, uh, so I wanted it to be like a more modern sound, just to give it something different. Because there's a lot of great groups out there that are doing that, that sound. Right. And, you know, I think as, you know, a band that does it, you, you want it to be something different. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, it's a pretty modern kit. I dropped the tuning on the toms. Yeah. I kind of went from the high bass drum down to more of a thumping kick. Yeah. And, and the live sound you got on the record. That was pretty awesome. He really, did a great job. Really great. Yeah, he did a real great job on that. Yeah. I mean, he taped the shit out of my drums <laughs> just because the room is really like, 
the troubadour is pretty, you know, it's really shallow. Uh-huh. And it could fit a lot of people, but it's really shallow and really tall. So right. I think everything was boomy. So he's like, do you mind if I put a little tape on your drums? I'm like, yeah, man, do whatever you want. And then I look and I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Like, you really went to town, but I don't <laughs> Whatever, like, whatever makes them sound that good, I'm totally fine with that, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I like the way it's it's sounding. I mean, I just got a new uh, 22 Constantinople, which I'm like. Yeah. Insanely in love with. Nice. Yeah. So that's like my new baby. Zildjian, you listening? Yeah, Zildjian. <laughs> that's all I use. K's. Hello? Hello? <laughs> Hello? No. no, I love it. Well, it was weird because I, I played on that, you know, those uh, 21 inch special drives? Yeah. That's been like my, my workhorse for seven, eight years. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite ride I ever had. And, you know, when cymbals crack, they always crack about where you hit it. Yeah. So I'm in China, and I'm, like, playing. You know, your cymbal always goes at the same spot. You know, the right. heaviest part of it comes down. And I see something on the top. It cracked on the opposite side. Whoa. Never even heard of that happening. Wow. I've never That's even insane. cracked a ride in my life. Yeah. I don't know what it was. I mean, I beat the shit out of my ride. Yeah. I beat the crap out of it. But I like beating <laughs> the crap out of my rides. It's like, one of, you know. Yeah. But I don't know if it was, like, the vibrations coming around. And hit. I have no clue. I was like, "What the hell, man!" It, it would. So I just sit and look at it and cry now. It's like, "Oh my god, I miss you so much." Oh, but that new ride is pretty great. Yeah, you found a new love. Yeah, I found a new love. Closing up in five minutes. All right, perfect. All good. Well, we're getting kicked out. Yep. Uh, I think that's a good spot to, yeah, man. to wrap it up. Well, I appreciate you having me, bro. Oh, it was a lot of fun man. talking to you. Thanks for, never thanks for actually got to talk like this. Yeah, that great. No. <laughs> that's that would be the trash can yep. going to the dumpster. And they're officially <laughs> kicking us out. And we picked work. the gem spots here. <laughs> <laughs> right on, man. Thanks for talking. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Again, big thanks to Josh for taking the time to talk with me. He could have been uh, taking a nap or having some dinner in preparation for his show, but he basically went straight from sound check to the interview to the stage. And it was very cool of him. I cannot recommend Dust Bowl Revival highly enough. Uh, check out their records, go see them live. Everyone in that band is a, a badass in their own right, and the eight of them work together so beautifully. It's, it's just a good time waiting to happen. You can hear their new album, With a Lampshade On, at DustBowlRevival.com, and you can also check out their touring schedule there. Uh, wherever you live, chances are they're going to be somewhere near you before long. So go see them and thank me later. Uh, we've gotten some great responses to our hashtag Working Drummer Project on social media. Thanks for those, and keep them coming. Again, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and post pics and videos of your gigging exploits using the hashtag WorkingDrummer. We'll be on the lookout and reposting them. Matt Krause will be back with you next week. Thanks, as always, for downloading and listening. See you next time.